Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and joining us on the show this week is legendary dance artist Crystal Waters talking about her latest single, United in Dance, and performing on BET's Black Girls Rock. Toronto-based recording artist Taylor Knox drops by to chat about his new album called Here Tonight. Our music editor Sharon Highland and I discuss where does Britney Spears go from here, and we have new music for you from Alessia Cara, Classified, and Camila Cabello. Crystal Waters was recently here in Montreal performing at a charity event, and we got to sit down and chat in person about what she's been up to, including the release of her new song, United in Dance. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. Crystal, thanks so much for making time for us. Always appreciate it. Oh, thanks for always having me. So before we talk about the new music, which I'm super excited about the new song, um, and I've asked you this before, but I always wonder if this kind of uh, seeps into your mind as years go by. Every year, it seems like you've inspired new artists. I know we've talked before about how Azealia Banks loves you. Mm. You've been sampled by T.I., Alicia Keys. Mm. Um, I think recently Alicia Keys just did it again, right? Yeah. She did a little O2 at Pride or something. Gypsy and then Afrojack and uh, I can't think of the singer. They just sampled 100%. song is doing really good. That's amazing. And so yeah. what does it feel like when year after year, because this song came out in the early 90s, and people just <laughs> keep coming back like it I never know. gets old. I feel like they had, the songs have a life of their own. I'm like, thank God I wrote those songs. <laughs> I mean, I did, never would have imagined 25, 26 years later that, you know, it would still be going so strong, you know. Because I still try to, you know, be innovative and try to do new stuff. So it's really a challenge, you know, to live up to those songs, mm-hmm. you know. Now, uh, let's talk about the fact that the other night I was able to see you perform at a, a charity event here in Montreal, and it was interesting to see how the crowd reacted the moment they heard the opening chords of songs like Gypsy Woman, uh-huh. like 100%. So I, I want to know what it feels like for you when you were looking at the crowd, especially at this particular charity event, because they weren't far from you, like they were pretty yeah, close to the stage. Yeah. What does it feel like seeing them just freak out, especially uh, <laughs> these, these dance ladies who are like in their 40s and 50s? Oh, to see their faces light up, it's, just, it's, it's the best. I mean, that's, I say I tra- they pay me to travel. Yeah. When I get on stage and I see people's faces light up like that, it feels great. It feels like, you know, I did something good, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm making people happy. <laughs> like a Homer Simpson moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's because they literally, like, light up. And, and people you wouldn't expect, because that's the other thing I noticed. Your fan base is so diverse. You have not only uh, people that love you in the LGBTQ community, but then you have the moms who yeah. love to get... And the, and the people who don't really know my name, but they hear the song, they're like, oh, that's her. Yeah. So I, I get it all. So it's... It's wonderful, and I, I like the balance too because I can go, you know, to have that moment, and then I can go walk down the street and, and be have my life incognito. So yeah, you don't have to be Justin Bieber or any of those. Oh uh, yeah, I feel for them. I feel for them. Um, let's talk a little bit too about social media because I know um, it's obviously so prevalent. Everybody needs to use it these days, especially uh, yourself as an independent artist. Where does social media come into your life and play? Oh, it's so big now. It's, it's you know. I I have to hire somebody to help me. It's 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 really weird to you know the transition of how everything is going, but you know I have like three three pages at Facebook, and then you know I have I have Instagram. the label yeah, and the I label. have the other stuff. It's like a full time job. Yeah, you really have to sit down and take a couple of hours and think it all out. Mm-hmm. Because right now I'm missing my 11 a.m. post. <laughs> I've tested the times that are good, you know, for me to post. I've taken classes, you know. To get the most out of my posts and the copyright and all that stuff, mm-hmm. so it's it's a, it's another job. Another thing too that I'm not sure everybody realizes is that you're not only an artist, but you're a businesswoman as well. Because you've got not only your performing career, but then your writing career, and then I know you've been into other things like I think you had a men's line and all that uh, stuff. Skincare line. Skincare yeah. line. Well, you know, I went to 
how you know I went to college for um, for business, so I mm -hmm. still have that in me. So I, I always feel like I want to. I always have this feeling I want to do something else and more. And like with the record label, I'm really enjoying it. You know, eventually I will transition out of the the limelight into. You can't. <laughs> I'm stopping that right behind, now. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be behind a desk, but <laughs> walking around with a laptop doing my business. I really, I really enjoy doing business, and you know this. The music business is the music business, so you know you gotta you gotta be on your toes and keep learning and innovating. So my my dream was always to have seven streams of income. Mm -hmm. So I'm still you know You're still <laughs> still more coming. Yeah, I, you know I just want to you know have passive income and just sit on the beach you know one day. That's all. Well, you can't <laughs> stop ever. I think people are gonna keep asking for you to perform. Okay. Uh, joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, award-winning recording artist Crystal Waters. You can check out her website IamCrystalWaters.com and grab all of her social media handles. So can we talk about the new song United in Dance? Uh, you sent it to me just the other week, right away. Mm -hmm. Fell in love with it. Super catchy. Uh, when did you write it, and did you know it was going to be a hit for you? Um, well, this is how it happened. Um, I'm good friends with Gladys Pizarro, who was the founder of Strictly Rhythm back in the night. She she discovered um, David Guetta. Not David, well, she did kind of discover David Guetta, but um, David Morales, Louis Vega, Todd Terry, all those guys, Eric Murillo, and she started her own label now. She had she actually had this song and presented the song to me. And I heard, I was, she's such a good friend, I just said I would do it anyway. When I got the song and I worked with it, and I, I did write the bridge, a couple, of, fixed up a couple of things on the song. Mm -hmm. But after I got in, in, the, in the studio and we recorded it, it all came together. I was like, wow, Gladys, you have a hit on your hands. <laughs> so it's nice to be supportive of your friends. You know, you're working with your friends and, you know, you're, you know, you're helping each other. So it's just been a real, real fun doing, you know, doing it that way. And it's funny because, like, I, you sent it to me and you said I could send it out. So I sent it out to a bunch of my DJ friends. And one of my particular friends in Toronto, she right away, it's like, oh my God, it's so catchy. She's like, I can't uh, wait to spin this. And so, do you kind of know when the melody's there for you? Like, do you know that? Yeah, it's and I know when it's not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, it's not always there. You know, sometimes it's not there more than, you know, I, I call it, you gotta do it in volume. Like, if I write 10 songs, I think one of them's gotta have something. Okay. So, yeah, I kind of know this, even with the label, when I get, you know, the music in, and I, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not feeling it. And my, my assistant, he's like, oh, I love it. So we got to go back and forth till we find ones that we both like. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I love stuff and nobody else loves it, too. So it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's a 50-50 chance each time. And how important is it for you? Because I know when you sent me the song, you also sent me the various remixes that come along with it. Stonebridge mm -hmm. is one of them. Um, in nowadays, when you're doing a track, is it not, like, how important is it for to have the original mix and then have your... You have to have the mixes that, that cover each genre. So there's different DJs, um, and you have to, you know, satisfy their needs, especially if you want to, you know, to chart it or stuff like that. So we always have a, a circuit mix. We always have, you know, a deep house mix and just kind of at least three or four to cover everybody. Mm -hmm. And then the radio. Yeah, the radio. Radio mix. friendly mix. That's it. That's what we like. <laughs> and uh, when you're working on a song, um, do you kind of, ha I know this particular one came to you, but when you're working on something that you're writing, do you kind of envision its journey? Like, do you kind of know where it's going and, and, and how you want it to be promoted and all that kind of stuff? No, not until I get it done because, you know, I can tell when I get the track if this is going to serve, you know, a deep house community or if it's more commercial and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll write once I hear, you know, that direction. But I don't worry about. I'm more more worried about the lyrics at, at the at the forefront, making sure I'm make you know making it clear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I understand it, and anybody else does. But <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a speci specific writing process, Crystal? Like, do you always? start with lyrics do you have the beat first like how does that i work? usually get the track and i usually do the melody because if the melody works you know you can tell 
if it's, and then I go in and so a lot of times with the melody when it comes out there's some words in there mm -hmm. so once I get that and I just try to follow along with whatever little little hints I get you know yeah. from the universe <laughs> and then I kind of fill it in from there now for someone who is coming up in the dance community now what would be your biggest piece of advice to them especially because now with streaming like I don't even know how you guys get paid to be honest so <laughs> Apart from performing, well, I know that Oh, you mean money-wise? Yeah. You want to know about that? Um, I would always say write all your own stuff because that's where the money is. I don't, I don't believe in having four or five people on a song. Okay. Too many. It, too many. Sprinty, My father said, so, "Split. Why you want to split the check five ways?" <laughs> you never understood those boy bands. One person singing, and they got to split the check five ways. Um, yeah, and, and get registered in. Um, Take a class on metadata. That's the one thing that will, will um, when you when you um, put your songs up on Spotify and streaming things like that, you can track how many you know you can get reports on how, oh, great. how okay. much you know the streaming, how much you get paid. Make sure it's listed everywhere and that you're accounted for. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you just put it up there, and nobody you know you, nobody knows you're supposed to be paid. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Take now, a class. Take a class. Learn, <laughs> learn, online. learn. It's online. It's online. Now, when I saw you perform the other night um, at the charity event, I, I, it kind of struck me, too, as I was watching you, watching the crowd. How much work goes into you knowing uh, your crowd and, and knowing which songs you are going to do? Because you have so many. Do, how many yeah. number ones do you have on the Billboard? It's, I think it's 13, 12 or 13. It's crazy. I knew it was over 11. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. Something like that. Oh, yeah. I always read the crowd. Like, you know, for a charity event, um... You kind of want to do stuff where you can interact with people, so I'll pick the show that. But, you know, I have to do 100% Gypsy yeah. and Destination. They're not going to let me go. Like, I'm, tomorrow I go to Johannesburg, I'll do some new songs because it's, a, you know, a longer show. Okay. So you can always tell, you know, the corporate crowds, they get a little conservative show. and mm -hmm. <laughs> The nightclubs get a little more, you know, a little more... Um, Octane. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word, but yeah, it gets a little bit flamboyant, maybe okay. something like that. So, okay. Yeah. And now, I've always loved this about you, too, because I know not a lot of other artists do this, but you always travel with dancers for the most part. Yeah. Why do you do that? Well, from the beginning, you know, when, I, when we started, we had, you know, Broadway choreographers, and the choreography is built a certain way where I get to take a breath. If you ever see my show, I stand. One of the, that's, yeah. that's where we have to learn to breathe in these, these certain points and yeah. do all that stuff that's built into the choreography. So people ask me, you know, we got dancers. I said, these, this is not two people just flapping behind me. You know, with the choreography is built so I can How breathe through the whole yeah. show. And, you know, it's good to have your people, which, you know, you know somebody got... You know, I trained my D's last, so I just trained, you know, sometimes when you're traveling, you know, people get off the plane, they're excited to see you. Sometimes you don't feel like talking. So we take turns. Okay. So today's, you know, Richie's turn to talk. I said, you sit up front with the driver. <laughs> so it's little things like that, you know, and they can tell when I'm, you know, fading or something and they'll take over, you know. Okay. Even in the show, you know, to pump you up on stage, they, we can read each other. So that's why it's important. That's awesome. Because, I, yeah, I just know a lot of people don't do that, especially in the genre that you do. And mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, too, I know a while ago we talked about you working on a jazz album. What's going on? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd I bring tried, that up. I, you know, it's hard to get these jazz musicians in one spot. They travel. Mm -hmm. So as this was, I started and I just couldn't get, you know, the band together that I wanted. And uh, so I moved okay. on to other things. And how many more, uh, like, because now it's obviously a single universe and it's been that way for a while yeah. now um do you have like a specific set of of, of singles you want, want to get out over the next while or you just yeah. want to take one track at a time i mean i tried i wanted to do an album but people have to realize the money that it takes to put into that and then to release it and only be alive for a couple months that really financially is 
not the balance it. it's not it's not looking like much sense to me I know everybody wants one but you know it takes it takes a lot to pull it out together so right now I have singles okay and I want to release it on my own label so yeah could you ever like now because you have so many number ones just put out a best of up to your latest um, number I one? Probably could. I have a Spotify playlist for that. Okay, cool. And I'm going to put my, because some of my older albums aren't available digitally. Yeah. I've been trying to get some of them, start doing playlists with the albums and stuff like that. Okay, cool. And what can we expect from you over the next little while? I know you have something coming up on BET. Oh, yes. We, uh, black Girls Rock is a, is an award show, excuse me, honoring black women in the business. And I did a little house segment, which is really fun. It's C.C. Pettison, Robin S. and me, and we opened the show. It's going to be great. Awesome. That's yeah. perfect. And what's it like still being, do you still call them your road dogs? Like being <laughs> yeah, because we all know what it's like to be on the road, you know. And everybody thinks it's glamorous and all that mm -hmm. stuff, but it's, it's just a little stressful. It's tough, yeah. yeah. And what do you find, like, how do you find the dance community is right now? Like, do you find it's in a good place uh, with regards to what you guys do? Oh, house music seems to be alive and well. I mean, all the festivals... You know, I did the uh, 51st State in London with all, everybody from the New York house community. So, okay. it's you know, everybody's working, so everybody's happy. That's awesome. And I know you probably never sit there thinking about this um, because you're super humble, but do you, like, does it ever dawn on you just how, uh, like, like you and certain other people are just legendary and, like, people look up to you and, and you are the, the, the gold print. You are the blueprint for people mm -hmm. in dance. Not until I hear people like you say it. <laughs> No, Does it I mean, feel like responsibility, or, or just, I don't know, or, or can you take it in, like how much you guys have done for the dance community? I think recently we've all been taking it, and we realize, you know, they've done a lot of house music documentaries. Yeah. And they, you know, I realized I was at the beginning of it all, and was, that Gypsy was the first one to cross over the radio. Okay. So it, it is kind of hitting. It was like we actually did something, you know. Mm -hmm. I think we could all die happy knowing <laughs> that we left a mark on the world, you know what I mean? That's awesome. And before I let you go, I did want to ask you, what is Crystal Waters listening to these days? What is Crystal Waters listening to today? I, you know, I, I do a lot of um, podcasts, do you? music, and I, I'm an information geek. I, I take lots of classes and lessons online, but I listen to a lot of house music and radio. Okay. I listen to a lot. I listen to the pop radio. I appreciate that. I'm glad <laughs> you still listen to Crystal. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for stopping by. We always appreciate it, and we love you so much, and keep doing it. And you cannot retire ever. Oh, okay. Even to be just a business lady, you can't. All right. <laughs> thank that, you, Kelly. That's Crystal Waters hanging out on The Kelly Alexander Show. And again, you can grab all of her social media handles, IamCrystalWaters.com. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Time for a look at some new music. Canadian artist Alessia Cara has recently released the third song from her new EP called This Summer. The song itself is called Rooting For You, and as you can tell, it has a wonderful vibe, something that is definitely in her wheelhouse. Alessia has had a very busy summer. She was opening up for Shawn Mendes. That is now over, but she is not done touring. She heads back out on the road on her own later on this fall. Finding success doesn't mean you're rich. It means you finally found your happiness. So baby, slow it down. Yeah, I know it now. It might take some time to come around, but hold it down so the sun is out. Come on. Hurting me brings out the hurting you, but I don't want no one. Juno 
award-winning rapper Classified, who you should remember from his big hit song a couple of years ago called Inner Ninja, is back with a new single called Fallen. When Classified talks about the song, he says that he really loves the message in the lyrics, not to mention the vibe of the music, and of course enjoys performing this for his fans. Classified, by the way, also a solid producer and has worked on tracks with Canadian singers David Miles and Rhea May, who have both gone on to do amazing things. decided to surprise her fans by dropping not one, but two new songs. One is called Shameless, the other is called Liar. That's the one that you're hearing right now. As you can tell, it's got a great vibe, some really cool beats and transitions. And these two new songs, by the way, are from her upcoming sophomore album called Romance. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show now is our music editor, Sharon Hyland. And today we are discussing where does Britney Spears go from here? In the last couple of weeks... She has had a lot of upheaval, Sharon, on the personal front. So first of all, her dad, Jamie, who has been running her conservatorship, or conservatorship, I should say that, uh, for over 10 years, has had to step down for health reasons. He also got into an altercation with his grandson, so one of Britney's kids, and she herself doesn't seem herself uh, after sort of having that rough start into 2019 where she had to put herself into a facility to try to get herself mentally back on the rails. So mm-hmm. things uh, a little all over the place. So I guess my my question for you is this. Just about a year ago, we were hearing that she was heading back to, to Vegas uh, when her dad fell ill, and that's when she decided not to, to keep going. And then she's had this challenging year since then. So for the most part, she's been staying out of the public eye, but then she has these random social media posts, which again, sort of suggest that things are not as they might should be or should be. Um, do you think she should continue to not post and stay out of the, the limelight for a while? I think that she's a product of the uh, equation of a pop star. Sad but true. Um, combined with uh, mental health issues mm-hmm. and uh, no judgment, obviously. Yeah, of course. It would be okay mm-hmm. if she uh, if she wanted to create music. And she just did that without the pressure of having to tour, having to perform, having, having, the whole list. She could be, she could focus on getting herself healthy. She could focus on making sure that her kids are all straight and narrow. On the straight and narrow, not Mm -hmm. that they have to be straight and or narrow. Uh, But I think that there's like a a knee jerk or maybe a PTSD sort of reaction to, I gotta work. I gotta work. We gotta gotta perform. We gotta get the show out. We gotta... Mm-hmm. She, I cannot imagine that she is in need for money. Right, I don't think so. Um, but I understand the need to work. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that maybe not a tour, maybe not pushing yourself always to do Vegas or do this or do that. Mm. It would be okay if she didn't. She still has all that she created. Her impact on popular music is known. Mm-hmm. She could just be. I mean, I'm I'm finding a simple solution that probably is easier said than done for someone. Well, I think you're you're bang on in the fact that she has been just being for several months now, and I think they're trying to get things worked out. But like as of 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 this chat, the conservatorship has just gone over to a woman named Jody Montgomery, who apparently is a fiduciary, and so this is the type of thing that she does. And she's already been in Britney's life for over a year, and it was incredible when I read the article. If it turns out to be true, some of the stuff that. It's like a full-time job to manage Brittany and her health needs. Um, it's yeah, because apparently this Jody girl was like responsible for uh, doctors and how and how um, 
I guess they were handling Britney's case and then the medication that needs to go to Britney and how she's running her life and all that kind of stuff. And then the other news we found out is that Britney's daughter apparently, or doctor, I should say, passed away. Her daughter is a doctor? She has no daughter. <laughs> Two sons. Her doctor passes away. Yeah, just like he, and he's young. He looked like he was in his 40s and oh, it sounds boy. like he had an aneurysm. So there's a lot going on. And then, of course, this alter altercation with her dad and her son. And then I guess the latest thing is out of all of that, there are rumors that in this upheaval that's going on, even though it sounds like this Jody woman, if she does uh, get to stay in charge for the foreseeable future, I think will kind of run a tight ship. But there's rumors that Jamie, um, that Lynn Spears, Brittany's mother, right. is could make a play to be in charge of things, which I think would not go well because she seems like a roller coaster ride herself. And then that Kevin Federline, how could Kevin Federline have any say in Brittany's life? It's ridiculous because he fathered her children. I guess, but so the the management of uh, their lives rests on him. Well, that's that's fine when it comes to the two kids, but I don't think he should be making a play to run the conservatorship. I, I, I think I would uh, uh, be leery of anybody who's making a play to run that. Yeah, which is a fiduciary on. would be the best bet. Mm -hmm. And this no, lady, Jody, uh, no seems emotional to be... cards in the game. Yeah, you know? yeah. But now, once things get sort of ironed out, what's your thoughts? Like, do you think that she can actually return? And I hate to say the return because it just it sounds like she's been gone or something. But can she can she make a return, for lack of a better phrase, and still pump out? new music or do you think she's purely a nostalgia act at this point well i don't want uh i would never discourage anybody from making music mm -hmm. i think that like i said before if she wants to make music go ahead if she wants to perform live go ahead but reassess mm -hmm. figure out what your priorities are because we all know what you come into a bump in the road or you hit something in your own path and you don't want to deal with that i gotta work yeah, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I got to work. Yeah. So I get it. Mm -hmm. I get, and I'm again. I don't know her sto her personal story. I know what I read. Mm -hmm. If she's looking to not deal with something, of course you're going to divert and you're going to want to work, right? Right. Because you need the distraction. But maybe don't. Do you think she's still capable though of a hit song? Of course. Okay. Because it's been a little while, but, but I think that if she gets the right producer, yeah, you know, for sure. But what comes with that is the pressure, right? Because you're not going to hire a producer because yeah. that comes at a at a cost. Mm -hmm. And then what? There's the pressure of making that song the best song ever, right. and we got to make sure it's the best. So we're going to auto tune it, fix it, perfect it, and mm -hmm. then we're going to release it. Mm -hmm. And then someone's going to say, oh, "She's too old." So we're no, we're not going to play new Britney. We like the old Britney, which I mean, is it, terrible. The whole trickle. She's not too old, yeah. Well, she's not too old, but no. you have to realize in the course of your professional music making career who you're doing it for. If you're doing it for yourself, that changes everything. If you're doing it because your audience needs it, if, if everything's out of line, right. then nothing could possibly get in line. Mm -hmm. So she, ha in my opinion, because she never asked me, yeah. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did ask you. Uh, prioritize. Right. Could she? For sure. Mm -hmm. Is she relevant? She's Britney Spears. She can do what she wants. Look at the flack that Madonna continues to get yeah. for making new music. Mm -hmm. And it's good. It is good. But is she doing it to please them? No. She's doing it for herself. She knows she doesn't need to, mm -hmm. but as an artist, she wants to. And maybe as an artist, she does need to. She needs to release that. Yeah. So if that's the case, do it. Which, by the way, I just saw an Instagram of Madonna, and she is more flexible than me, and I'm like, half her age. It's crazy. <laughs> she was, like, doing the splits, and she's, what, 60, 60, 61 now? 61. Craziness. Yeah. But Love that's, Madge. That's Madonna. And not there to, like, again, priorities. Yeah. And I think uh, 
I think Britney Spears has a lot of pots on the stove, you know? Yeah, I think so too. And I just hope that she takes care of herself mentally and then I think the rest will follow. But I'm just hoping that from what I see of this lady, Jody, she seems like she's the good choice for now to keep things on the rails again because she has a professional company that does this sort of thing and has been in business for a while. So, And so uh, Kevin Federline, what's his degree? Uh, taking money from Britney. Ah, so yeah. not an official education. Yeah, as far as I know. Well, of, he was that rapper. running money. Yeah, exactly. Of uh, managing a checking account <laughs> for the for the boys. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I've heard over the years, and I'm sure you have too, that apparently he is a, quite a, a good dad. I'm sure he's fine. Um, but he, I know that he banks on Britney's money once a month or whenever how however often she well, has does. To he pay have a job? Him. Not a, that I know. And I feel like she's bankrolling his other kids just by the sheer fact that she has to pay for her own two. And I just heard, too, that he now has more of the custody than she does for the time being. So right. we'll see what happens. But the of sad course, truth is that uh, she's got a lot going on, mm-hmm. a lot of which has nothing to do with uh, making music or anything anything that is classified as our business. Yeah. yeah. And, and she's got to fix that before yeah. we you know, can even consider talking about I think what is our business, a lot of is our music. I think because a lot of us have this love for her. Because like, I feel like there's um, a, a level of wanting to protect Britney. Do you get that? Like from some of fans and stuff, like they just want her to always be okay. Yeah. And then what happens is that she comes out and does something and then scrutinize. Yeah, as soon as, it's true. As soon as one little misstep happens, the same people that are seemingly the same group of people that are uh, wanting wanting her to come out mm-hmm. are going on the attack. It's a rough uh, rough existence. But also, on, in closing, I'd like to give a shout out to Pink, who just celebrated her 40th birthday. I loves me some Pink. Still going strong, still doing her thing, and in the pop world, which is is good. So good for her. Uh, Sharon, thank you for this. Thank you. Our music editor, Sharon Highland. You can check out the podcast that both Sharon and I co-host. It's called 90s Now, where we chat about all things 90s and all things now. It's 90snow.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is is Toronto-based recording artist Taylor Knox, who has released his sophomore album called Here Tonight, which contains some killer songs, including Live It Up and City at Night. Taylor, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So let's kick things off by talking about how music became an important part of your life. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with the Beatles when I was three years old. So I honestly don't even remember a time... I don't even remember life without loving music. And um, I used to just like, I used to um, play tennis rackets, like guitars. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who did that, but probably at that age. And uh, yeah, my dad had a guitar. So there's pictures of me, like when I'm just a little kid with like the guitar being like taller than me. Right. So I'm sitting on the floor, just like kind of whacking at the strings. (laughs) That's really cool. That's awesome. And so did you always know that guitar was kind of going to be your thing? Or did you think like, you know, I'm going to play the drums at some point too, or maybe you do that already. I definitely always wanted to play the guitar, but by the time I was about 10, I was playing the guitar and I had figured out that if you played one instrument into a tape recorder and then played back the tape recorder and recorded it on another tape recorder, you could kind of do like a life hack of overdubs. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so then I thought, well, it's not fair because the Beatles have the all these drums and all these tambourines, and I got to get some of that stuff on my on my songs too. So I did actually have like a toy, one of those like kids' toy drum sets. Okay. And I used to make recordings with that and like just a little like crappy little like ukulele. And so, yeah, I kind of, I didn't really... M- think to myself i want to play all these instruments because i think it's cool to play them i just wanted to have songs that sounded as real as possible in the imagination of a 10 year old 
And I was smart enough to figure out that that involves some sort of drum. So I kind of started learning them almost at the same time. Now, if I understand things correctly, you were actually headed off to, I'm not sure sure if you were in university, but I feel like you were for business. So did you kind of know as a kid that you wanted to be a musician, but then sort of did maybe what your family told you to do or what you thought was like the right thing to do, which is to go into like university? Well, I mean, yeah, I did. So I studied business for uh, two years at University of Toronto. Um, But the thing that happened with me was that I didn't, I didn't want to study music because I was, I felt like the people who studied music were, first of all, better at playing instruments than me. But also, secondly, they became so interested in the, in the, like the scales and the techniques and all the, the moves and like kind of showing off for people. And I've always been more into the songwriting. So I thought, I just want to have time to work on my songs. Like that's what's exciting to me about music and still is my favorite part is like the creating of the different sounds together, you know? Oh, that's cool. And so... So what I thought was I thought, hey, if I go to university, then I have an excuse to move to Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my parents will probably help me pay for my residence room, you know? That's <laughs> and, smart, um, Taylor. <laughs> uh, and that way I'll be downtown where all the music is. And then, and I also was, you know, I think even though I always had dreams of pursuing music for a uh, quote unquote living, I think you figure out even as a teenager that there's not, there's a lot of people who want to be in bands and not a lot of people get to do it for their job. So I was also kind of thinking like, you know, I'll be getting to the city and also I'll be doing something practical, you know, but then it's funny. Once I moved there, I joined this band called the golden dogs. Um, the first year I was there and then they got so busy touring and recording that I actually dropped out of school to do that full time, which is awesome. And how did that go over with the uh, parental unit? Were they okay with that? Yeah, they were, they said, you know, we think you should finish your degree, which is definitely good advice. But they also said, I understand that that means you couldn't be in this band and that's really important to you. So they said, Hey, if you, you know, this is a chance to try it out. So you might regret it if you don't, you know, they were very supportive about it. Very understanding. And I'm assuming, like, I know you didn't finish your degree, but having two years of business, I'm assuming that has helped you quite a bit as, like, an independent artist, correct? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, the first couple of years of business is mostly just theory. So you, you're you reading a lot of books and a lot of words. I remember thinking, like, people have made up a lot of words just to describe things that you kind of know anyway. Like, you know, you should sell the inventory, you should sell the older things first and keep the newer <laughs> things for later. <laughs> There's like that was called like first in first out or first in last out. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, I suppose uh, just a general sense though of like what the accounting terms mean has been helpful and like percentages and I'm sure there. I'm sure you're right. There's a part of it that's like kind of in my brain that okay. is helpful because yeah, being being my uh, the kind of captain of my own band is you're you get to play music, but you're also fully running a business. You know, you got to yeah. pay for the gas, you got to book the hotels, you got to do all that stuff, hire people to come on the road with you. So, yeah, I'm sure it's coming handy. Joining us on the show is Taylor Knox. Make sure you uh, check out his website for his social media handles and upcoming shows, taylornoxmusic.com. So let's talk a little bit about when you were a part of um, the Golden Dogs. Like, did you always kind of know at some point that you would front your own situation? Yeah, I mean, I really just wanted to produce my own songs. Um, It didn't necessarily at the time seemed like it had to be just me. Like, I would have happily done that in a band. But when I joined the Golden Dogs, I was such a fan of them already that I never even imagined suggesting them do one of my songs because I think, like everybody, you just think, well, these other people write these amazing songs, and then I just write my little songs, and they're just kind of for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, but I always, in in my kind of hopes, I guess, hopes and dreams, like, imagined having my songs played by a band. But 
Dave and Jess, uh, who were the main people in the Golden Arts, were always very encouraging. Like they would listen to my songs and tell me how they were great, and like help me, you know, suggest friends of theirs who could help me record them. And that's really how I got my start. I remember recording a friend of mine, Carlin, who went on to form Zeus, um, was in the Golden Dogs with me at the time. And he had a little, like, you know, a garage that he'd set up like a computer with, I don't even think it was Pro Tools, but some sort of recording software. And he kind of said, why don't you come by and record one of your songs? And um, and I did. And that song actually, I re-recorded it, but that song was called My Backyard and it made it on my first EP, Lines, that came out about three or four years ago. And that was the first time where I just thought, I thought, oh, cool, it sounds like a real song, and it sounds like it's really been recorded properly. And then I played it for other people, and they said, hey, this is really good. And I went, oh, thank you. And then I went, oh, actually, people are excited to hear it, so maybe I should make some more, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it a uh, a daunting process when you did kind of decide to do your own thing? Because like, I know sometimes there's like strength in numbers, if you will, or being a part of a unit that you've been a part of for a while. Yeah, I mean, it, you know what? It didn't feel daunting by then because it, I felt like I'd been, I had put it off for so long that I was, like, really anxious to get going at it. And it was a time when, so the Golden Dogs kind of fizzled out. We got less busy and less busy, and people moved on and moved away. And then I started working on my own music, and then I got an offer to play in Hayden's band right after, which was kind of I felt too good to be true, too, because I love Hayden. I'm a big fan, and that was a lot of fun. And we did a pretty heavy two years of touring there. And so when that album cycle wrapped up, I really felt like, okay, this is my chance. Like, it's I could just keep joining bands forever, you know? But if I don't do this at some point... So I kind of quit all the bands I was in, and I just really put my head down and started putting a band together and making these records, and now this is the second one. So that's pretty exciting. Talk to us about the Live It Up single, because it is awesome. When I heard that, that's when I was like, okay, I want this guy on my show. So oh, awesome. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Yeah, no, it was really, like, it's awesome. And and I was reading, again, some, like, articles about you and stuff like that, and, and really sort of stalking you, basically. Taylor is what I've been doing. Yeah. So It's called research. <laughs> that's it. It's called research. And uh, I, I read somewhere, I forget who said it, but somebody called your sound, or at least in the genre of power pop. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, you know what? I like that term because I think of what I do as pop music, but it definitely doesn't sound like, you know, like Taylor Swift necessarily, mm-hmm. although I love some of her songs, but like it definitely has more of a rock influence, I would say, than like than straight up like the Justin Bieber's of the world or whatever. So I like the expression power pop because that's a tradition of like Big Star and like, you know, Sloan would probably count some of their stuff in that. And I like the idea that it's pop songs, but like played with rock instruments. So I think that describes my sound pretty well. That that sounds good. And so with the song Live It Up, like how did that come together? Did it come together easily? And did you kind of know you had something special? Because it's very catchy. Oh, thank you. Um, I did not know I had something special. I did it. And I remember it was just after we did a whole tour opening for the beaches um, across Canada, which is really fun. They're an amazing band. And it was really nice that they took us on tour opening for them. Um, but we got home from the tour and I thought, I definitely thought, oh man, I just wish I had like a fun, fast song because I was, I was already kind of halfway through making my record at that point. Mm-hmm. I thought it's so much fun watching the beaches because all of their songs are fun and fast and like they just instantly feel like you're having a good time. And I did think to myself, it would be nice to have like a, another fast song for this record. So that part of it was premeditated. But then, you know, you can't, I find that you can't force, nothing good happens when you try to. So you just kind of like, watch some Netflix or whatever and like play the guitar. And eventually I had that riff and I remember thinking, Hey, this riff seems pretty cool. There's this sort of like, they kind of reminded me of like a Stooges song or something, mm-hmm. although a little less aggressive. 
maybe like the Ramones. And I thought, hey, I could do something kind of cool and Ramonesy with this, like kind of like a fun kind of pop punk song maybe. And then I honestly didn't think that much of it. I just started making a demo of it. Um, I went to the studio and I just did a very quick like guitar track with like fake drums, uh, like just sort of like making a drum loop that just goes like on my phone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I recorded the guitar to that. And then I kind of made up the melody and kind of fleshed out the words. And then I started playing it for friends. And they started saying, like, hey, this is really good. You should finish this and put it on your album. And I went, oh, okay, maybe. Like, and I honestly wasn't even thinking that I would get it done in time. It just kind of seemed like the next thing I was working on. And then to me, the thing that really made it come together was that I thought, okay, this song sounds good off the top, but it sounds like it needs some sort of ear candy to just get you pumped right at the beginning. I thought, what could that be? And I came up with that little synth line that goes like, yeah. And when I put that on, I thought, okay, this actually sounds pretty fun. Like, I want to hear this again. Well, so yeah, do the so rest of us. So too, it's it's good. Too long of an answer. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. No, I because I'm always like fascinated by how artists have their plan of action when they come together with like you know with something cool, and if they kind of know that something's like heading in the right direction. I also like too that you said that you shouldn't overly try, and I think Elton John said that once too. He's like, if he can't write a song in ten minutes, it's too much. So yeah, like, and I mean also just like it's just whenever you try, it sounds. Forced? To me, it, okay. it always sounds stale. Yeah. And it's always like as soon as you stop trying. I remember John Lennon had a famous story where he, he said, you know, I was driving myself nuts because we had an album to finish. And he said, I spent like six hours just like forcing myself to write a song. And he said, and just nothing would come. And I thought maybe I'll never write a song again. And he said, I put down my guitar and turned on the TV after like banging my head against the wall all day. And as soon as I turned on the TV, I found myself singing like, I think it was I'm Only Sleeping he's talking about, or maybe it was Dr. Rock, but he said, you know, as soon as I stopped trying and I turned on the TV, I found myself singing a song in my head, and I thought, hey, maybe this is a new song. And so I try to, I've taken that as like a bit of advice maybe, or like a technique even more than just advice, of like, okay, that's how the people who wrote some of my favorite songs do it. Like I've heard Elton John say stories like that too. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And yeah. I know you mentioned uh, that the Beatles obviously very influential for you. Who else has been influential for you? Um, you know, I was listening to a lot for this album, even though it doesn't sound like it musically so much, is I got really into Joni Mitchell oh, cool. in the last couple of years. And I think that what I love about her songs are that there's such a high standard where like literally every line in every one of her songs feels like it has so much meaning to it. And, like, it paints such a picture, you know? Like, it feels like they have layers of things. Like, I don't know, like, when she, she has that line in the one song about, how, like, singing to the person that she loves, saying, like, I want to shampoo you. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's so good, because she's saying, she's literally saying, I want to shampoo you, but obviously what she's saying is, like, I would just do any, like, it doesn't matter if it's the most mundane thing, that's how much I care about you, I just want to, like, be around you and care for you. And I thought, oh, I, like, I want to try to strive, not that I could even come close to being as good as Joni Mitchell, but in terms of lyrics, I wanted to try and have things that, like, got a little deeper, I guess, sometimes when I could. That's cool. Now, yeah. uh, talk to us about the album. Like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's called Here Tonight. Uh, was that, like, a, um, an easy decision to name it that? And, and what do you want people to pull from this, from this album? Oh, um, it wasn't, it's never easy for me to name things. Uh, but I did notice that, like on my last record, I had a lot of songs that were about love. For some reason, a lot of the titles on this record were songs about night. And um, I think that it's, I don't know, I've, I feel like the title here tonight is kind of like about living in the moment. And I feel like that's the 
there's a lot of thinking in my brain these last couple of years about how you you know I loved music so much as a kid and you just you just love what you love and you don't think about it and then all of a sudden you get a little older and you're like living life and you're trying to make plans and you're thinking like well why do I love music so much and like what do I get from it and also the things get more complicated where you're trying to like we talked about before you're trying to run the whole business of it too mm-hmm. and the thing that I focus on is well I really do love playing music because it it takes me out of my head and puts me kind of in the moment. So I like that about the title here tonight. It's almost like a little reminder to just like stop for a moment and think about where you are. And um, and I just like the idea that like a lot of music happens at night, right? Like concerts happen at night and like I do a lot of my writing at night because that's when things are a little quieter. And um, that's kind of the best time to listen to music because you don't have anything else going on. You can just sit and focus on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it's kind of, I was kind of thinking about all those things. Well, that's really cool. I like that. And, and I wanted to ask you too, because I can tell by talking to you how seriously you take your songwriting in the last like six months, what's the best song or we'll say 2019. So like seven months. So in the last <laughs> seven months, what's the best song that you've heard that you wish you had written? Oh, um, well, besides Old Town Road, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that song's amazing. <laughs> it's so funny. When someone talked about how there was this viral song that was, like, ruling the world, I thought, oh, how annoying is that song going to be? And then when I heard it, I thought, oh, this song's beautiful. No wonder it's doing so well. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so that's one of my new favorite songs. But I think that um, there's a couple of songs on that Maggie Rogers album. I don't know oh, if you yes. To to that she's, she's hot. Love her. But her songs are just incredible, and, like, they just kind of, I just think like, yeah, these are perfect songs. And they they kind of like I was talking about, um, they, they make you feel good instantly. So they have that like pop uh, instant gratification feeling, but they also have a little bit of that Joni Mitchell feeling where it like, when you listen to it more times and hear what she's really saying, it really paints a picture and, and reminds you of like real deep feeling. So for those reasons, I would say um, Maggie Rogers songs. And I guess my favorite one is uh, Leave the Light On probably. Okay, cool. Now, uh, with regards to the the project being out here tonight, are you going to be touring it? Absolutely, yeah. We're actually just uh, making plans for a lot of shows this fall. we got a couple of festivals coming up. We're doing uh, Riverside or Riverfest Alora in a couple of weeks, and then we're doing uh, Mill Street Hopton Confused Festival in Ottawa, the closest one to Montreal, um, on the 24th of August. And then, yeah, we'll be doing a whole Canadian tour for sure in the fall. We're just working out the exact dates right now. Now, we have a lot of people that are listening overseas to the show, and so okay. I'm just wondering, like, will you ever be heading overseas anywhere, whether that's Europe or Asia? And also, part two of that question is, what do you want people to know about Taylor Knox? Um, okay, first part of the question, um, absolutely, we'd, we'd love to come anywhere. Um, uh, actually, a label in Japan put out this record. Oh, great. Uh, the same day as uh, it came out in Canada and the States, so... We're just talking to them about how we can get there, which would be amazing. I don't know exactly when it'll happen. We'll probably do the Canadian tour first. And um, we played, we went to Germany two years ago to play in the music festival, the Reeperbahn Fest they have there. And we're going to try to come back this year um, if all things work out, because that was really fun. And yeah, we, I mean, I love, I've played in Europe a few times with Hayden and the Golden Dog, so I love being over there. Happy to go back. And sorry, what was the part two of your question? Part two of the question is for people who don't know Taylor Knox, like what do you want them to know about you and your music? Oh, you should listen to it because it's really fun. Okay. And it's going to put you in a good mood. It's going to put a smile on your face. But if, uh, also if you want to look deeper, maybe you'll have some feelings too, some fun feelings. Awesome. Taylor, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging out. It's been so great. And you're welcome back on the show anytime. Oh, thanks for having me, Kelly. It's nice to chat with you. 
That's Taylor Knox again for all of his social media handles and all that sort of good stuff. Upcoming shows. Check out his website, taylornoxmusic.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. We appreciate you spending time with us on the program this week. And of course, a shout out to our guests, Crystal Waters and Taylor Knox. My thanks, of course, to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for taking such good care of us. Don't forget that you can listen to us on so many different podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and even Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon.